Good morning, my friends. Welcome to this episode of Heal Your Codependency. I'm Marshall Berkshire, and I'm your guide in healing that codependency by helping you restore connection, safety, and self-worth in your life. Today, we're going to be jumping into um, exploring this concept of idealization. Specifically, are we idealizing others? Are we putting them on pedestals? This habit is one that is chronic in codependency and a lot of other coping systems, and it's important one to identify so we can become more connected with who people really are, as well as ourselves. So that's what we'll be getting into today's episode. So, do you idealize others? Because I know I have, and sometimes I still do. So what is idealization? Well, it's the habit of seeing other another person as perfect, as flawless, as being a particular way that you want someone to actually be in your world. Children do this a lot with parents. They do this with teachers. They do this with authorities, people that they admire. Children that are neglected or abused in their, in their life do this a lot as a means to coping with the uncertainty they live with uh, in response to the people that have power over them, like their parents, like their peers, like uh, friends or romantic interests when they get into their teen years and stuff, as well as authorities in their world. Idealization is basically a habit we create to cope with the uncertainty of human beings, especially when we have not been grown up or raised in family systems where things were solid, they were predictable, they were safe, um, and they were... um, consistent. Instead, when it's chaotic and unreliable, we'll often turn to idealization or this fantasy of creating perfect ideal people in our minds in order to cope with that. So let me know where in your world you've been doing that. I know I've done it. I've done it with therapists. I've done it with partners. I've done it with children. I have done it with my parents. I have done it with deity. I have done it with jobs, businesses, money, things like that. A lot of all of those were in reaction to the lack of safety, the lack of skills, the lack of confidence I had in myself to navigate uh, the experiences I was having and address the problems I had in my life. Instead, rather than addressing the problems, I idealized people in hopes that they would rescue me from my problems. They would provide all the answers. They would love me and make me whole. They'd take away all my emptiness and loneliness that they would be the one, especially in romantic relationships, the one that would fix it all. Or in a therapeutic relationship, that would be the one that gives me all the answers and all the pain ends and everything gets better instantly kind of thing. Idealization was ruling my world. And it was causing me an enormous amount of anxiety, distress, confusion, frustration, and discouragement because, uh, well, nothing was actually lining up. <laughs> the results weren't happening. The outcomes they they weren't behaving the way I thought they should. I wasn't getting what I thought I would get out of the relationship or out of the thingy I was trying that I had idealized. So there's a lot of discouragement, and then there's a lot of distrust. Distrust in others, distrust in myself, and how I perceived reality, what was real. So idealization has an enormously negative impact on our world. And, and how we interact with that world and what we get out of it in return. This is why it's kind of a blunt cake. We have to become willing to see how we are idealizing 
other people, places, and things in a way to cope with what we don't have in our life or what we are or what pain we are coping with in our life. So signals that we're idealizing someone, one, we make them into something greater than a normal human being would be. They are flawless, they are perfect, they're I they have the thing you've been looking for. They're the greatest at something. They're the most perfect. It's just an amazing thing. We feel maybe euphoria around them. We feel uh, maybe a large affection towards them. We also feel like a submissiveness found that the fawn response loves to be part of the idealization experience where we fawn to them. We submit to them. They're the authority. They're the special one. We're putting them. We actually might visualize that they're above us or feel like they're up there. They're untouchable and unattainable. They've got it all figured out. Yeah, those are core signals of the idealization. Other signals that show up with the idealization is when that human being actually does something that's a human being thing, like say no, do something you didn't expect. Um, advocate for themselves, not one, one of my own experiences was in this was they didn't know I felt that way about them. I th- had made up in my mind and my fantasy that they did. I was in total shock. So feeling shocked about a behavior they do, um, unless it's like an abusive behavior, that's, that's our caveat, but uh, feeling shocked at some normal human behavior they do um, alarmed that they have limits or that they or they did something that disappointed you. These are signals of idealization. It's like, how could you? I never thought you'd be that or something like that. we got to bring human beings off these pedestals we put them on, start to know, start to first acknowledge that they're actually a human being, just like we are. They have limits, they have challenges, they have interests that diverge from our own that they will do things that we may not agree with or that could be disappointing because they have a different value or priority in that situation than we would. This process of acknowledging the humanity of another human being helps us bring them down off that pedestal and back to earth where they're equal with us. Or we start to see ourselves as equal with them. We're both human beings. We both have things going on in our lives that matter. And we're not here to rescue each other. We're here to support each other in what we face. For me, this was extremely important in the therapeutic realm because I used to put my therapists and coaches on these pedestals. And then when they'd inevitably not solve the problems that I thought they should be solving for me, disappointment, frustration, blame, distrust, all of that. Or when they said or did something I didn't agree with or didn't understand or didn't like, cut them off. It was very, very black and white, very, very polarized in that respect. When I started to heal, started to acknowledge, ooh, I've got this habit of creating fantasies about who people are, and started to get to know who people are, I had to walk through this valley of disappointment, valley of distrust like oh i don't know that i can trust my senses about people and then into the valley of acknowledgement of hey this is a human being i get to know them as a limited being just like i'm a limited being and that actually brought a lot of comfort a lot of peace it empowered my ability to say yes and no to things it also brought into my lap my own responsibilities towards my pain 
towards my needs and my wants, and to the very sober realization that no one's obligated to provide those for me. In fact, my job is to connect with people who want to provide to those things and then ask of them those things. That was a very big deal, <laughs> big transition out of idealization into a pragmatic, realistic connection with other human beings. Well, that's part of our part of our healing, though, is to connect with real people in their space and allow them to connect with us in our real space so that we can know and see each other as we are and then from there determine how that works for us, whether or not we would want more of that person in our world or less of that person in our world. So part of idealization is coping with pain, coping with neglect. So in this process of becoming sober and stepping off, stepping out of the habit of idealization is also stepping into the habit of acknowledging the pain we're carrying and that we might be trying to get this pain healed through other people being a certain way. I know for me, because of the neglect I lived with and then the, the uh, death of my mother, I was always looking for a mom. So I would idealize partners. I would idealize um, other adult women in my life as, oh, the mom. They're going to love me completely and perfectly. And I had sought that in order to try to cope with the lack of getting that in my life. The work here, when I when we can identify the unmet need and the pain that it's expressing, the work is then to start providing for that need in a realistic way. So I had to break the idealized fantasy that someone would love me completely and then I would feel really good about myself. They would take on the responsibility of making me love myself. It's really what was going on there. And I had to connect with, hey, it's my job. It's always been my job to love me. It's my first and foremost responsibility because that's a need within me. So, so it's my job to nurture that. So I did that in two ways. One, I started to learn how to love myself. And that began with the process of acknowledging and valuing my pain, my limits, acknowledging my shame and caring for the parts of me that had that shame, and then celebrating myself for existing because if I'm going to love myself, I must. Uh, it shouldn't be connected to all sorts of conditions. Like I love myself because of. It's more like I love myself because I am, or I just love myself. Bink. So that's what I was doing there. And the second component was allowing myself to be loved by people who loved me in ways that were safe and nurturing for me. This is how we build a real connection in our world. How we leave the land of idealization and we enter the land of realization and connection that nurtures and supports us in our, in our life. Further, this starts to end our need for codependency because codependency runs on fantasy. And part of that fantasy is the idealization of others, the devaluing of ourselves, and then the, the trap of that cycle of we're always trying to be perfect so that they'll keep us because they're already perfect. Why would they love me? I'm not that good. That kind of thing is an example of that. I idealize them and devalue myself. I kind of loop. So it starts to break us free of codependency because now we're connecting with our self-worth, our sanity, and creating real connection in our world so that we no longer have to idealize people. But it becomes safe enough to recognize people for who they are 
connect with them at the levels that make sense for us and that we desire with them and feel safe for us to connect with them as well and then build relationship out of those connections so this is why catching the idealization habit is crucial to our work in liberating ourselves from codependency and in creating healthy loving relationships for ourselves then we're not playing in the land of fantasy where we get uh, experience a lot of disappointment a lot of disillusionment and thus a break in trust or break in what is real. Instead, we're able to soberly connect with someone for who they are, for the limits they bring, for the things that they can contribute, as well as see that in ourselves. We don't have to be ideal anymore either. Instead, I can be the limited person I am and still be seen, loved, and valued and be someone to some to another person that contributes to their world, but I don't have to be everything because they don't have to be everything either. Instead, we can be certain things to each other, and then we can bring in other relationships and connections that provide those things too. That's the magic of this. Idealization does not actually protect us from anything. It keeps us perpetuating the pain cycles we're stuck in. Connecting with reality helps us promote more well-being and happiness for ourselves long-term. So let me know your thoughts on today's or today's episode below. My friends, if you're idealizing, know that it is a normal thing. Our work here is to acknowledge it. We can legitimize that. Yeah, of course I'm idealizing. This is how I've survived all this chaos and lack and neglect in my world. We can allow the impact of that to integrate. It's like, okay, now what else is possible? What can I start to acknowledge as real in my world? Like, hmm, yeah, this person, I don't necessarily like this uh, perspective this person has. Or I don't like this, uh, or this doesn't really work for me with this other person. Things like that. We can start acknowledging what works and what doesn't for us. That helps us humanize them. Hey, they got their own limits, their own life, their own world. They're not beholden to me and my expectations. Instead, hmm, I got to take care of those myself and go out and resource them in a way that's healthy for me. We start the process becoming very sober. So that's our work. Go gently with it. Remember that the idealization is a, is a survival strategy. It's normal, and our work is to become more and more connected with reality and what is real for us. So go gently. Ah, <clears throat> a heads up, the codependency healing system is open for enrollment. This is my nine-month journey in helping you create more safety, connection, and self-worth in your life while increasing more peace, reducing pain, increasing self-love and connection in your world. We start August 14th. This is the only time you can enroll in this course. I only teach it once a year. This is that time. Um, we're admitting 75 people to the course this year. It comes with high-touch live support, twice a week support calls, twice a month practice calls, and then ongoing enhancement trainings called specialized focus trainings to deepen your success in becoming free of codependency and building relationships in a life that you like to live. The information for this is above on Facebook, below on YouTube, and at my website at healyourcodependency.com. So come and join us and start creating and increasing safety, connection, and self-worth in your life so you can get more of what you deserve and more of what you want in the world. So I'll see you there, guys. Have a great day. I'll see you in our next episode. Bye-bye.